Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. Here we explore health. What is it? How can we move toward optimal health? Health is not what the doctors say. Oh, your lab values are all normal, so you're healthy. Those lab values are compared to 95% of of a very sick population. Our population is getting sicker. Over 58% of kids have a chronic disease. used to be 18% think the age of optimal health is decreasing. Uh, We're getting sicker and sicker. Why is that? Well, probably our life choices, uh, exposure to the toxic soup, many different things. So how do we know if we're healthy? How can we move toward health? How do we know what to do? So let's answer some of those questions. Today I have an expert. I was very impressed by hearing him speak. We've got Craig Lane. He's the founder of Health Alchemy and the inventor of the Holistologist. He's a certified nutritionist and herbalist and has experience in Western medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda. More interesting to me is he had studied some of the shamanistic arts, which interests me very much. He's got over 25 years experience, has created integrated assessment system with medical exam lab work, looking at the iris, scalera, and tongue analysis. The scale set is bridging the gap between modern medicine and proven ancient health traditions. How exciting. Through medical advocacy, lifestyle changes, and proper felicitation, people have an experience they cannot deny. He's a graduate from the Kushi Institute of Macrobiotics, a Shih Tzu massage person, and an acupressure therapist. He's also a whole food therapeutic chef with expertise in alchemy and food preparation. Welcome, Craig. Thank you, Susan. All these titles. I know. It's impressive. I'm, you know, especially the scorology, because I've studied a little bit about that, and that's, that interests me as well. So uh, it's certainly an outside sign that there's something inside that needs to be looked at. So uh, what is health? You know, um, when I started my career, um, I, that was my first question was if I, I had broken my neck in a car accident 36 years ago. And so I knew I wasn't healthy, but I didn't know what health was. And so for over 30, 35 years now, it's been an ongoing question. And so what it's evolved into now is health means heal, heal means whole, And that means the same thing as yoga, which means your body, your mind, and your spirit are all present in the present moment. We're not not stuck in the past. We're not stuck in the future. Um, And it's a higher value definition than like Webster's, which is health is defined as the absence of symptoms. What a pathetic low-grade value for health, right? Well, uh, doesn't the whole medical system aimed at addressing symptoms, symptom management, sick care, disease management. You get rid of a symptom, 
rather than looking under the hood to see what's really going on. And that's a success in allopathic medicine. So those correlate, right. but, you, but I think there's more. Right, and so my, my, my experience over the past, since I broke my neck, has been, well, okay, um, surgery wasn't an option. They put me in a halo brace, and um, so I knew I needed to find my way, and I didn't believe in God at the time. I was sort of agnostic, and so when I was 21, the next four years, I started getting into yoga to heal my broken neck. I didn't want anything to do with the woo-woo. You know, at the time I was 21 years old, I don't want the woo-woo yoga baloney. I don't want the woo-woo guru. I don't want the woo-woo anything. I just want to heal my broken neck. And then four years into that, I was doing a Ram Das meditation on who am I? You know, it's a relevant question to ask ourselves, who am I? And then I woke up and I had my Christ, God, pure love, awakening experience in this meditation and then my life has never been the same since. That was um, 32 years ago at age 25. Um, so for me, it's been like guided. I feel like something's been guiding me to this moment right now or guiding me throughout my life to become whole. And you could say angels, you could say intuition, you can say science, you can say friends and family, um, you can say spiritual allies. You know, there's all these words we have, but words are only pointers to reality. Words are the false idols we've come to worship. Just like chemistry, thou shalt not worship false idols. Well, we're identified with false idols called chemistry and vitamin D3 and all this baloney that has nothing to do with life. Okay. So, so for me, it's been that exploration of, you know, who's getting results in health? And how and why. So who's getting results in broken necks, right? And I realized yoga was a good way to go. Um, when I finished my studies in 1996, my first patient was a stage four pancreas cancer patient. I was m m terrified for this person. I was a rookie, didn't know anything. And she had so much confidence in me, it changed my life. Like I was terrified for her. And she lived another 20 years. Stage four, pancreatic cancer. That was my Very first Very unusual, because usually the prognosis for a patient with pancreatic cancer is less than two years. Very few, right. except maybe Steve Jobs, have gone beyond that. Right. So I was terrified for her. and But I called my advisor in the macrobiotic world at the time, and he just said, you know, pray for her, give her love, find out. My, one of my teachers early on said, you need to have a, when you have a new client, you need to figure out or see if they can be happy at all. And so with this woman, I knew she could be happy. Um, she had a lot of the markers of someone that, but there are people that come into my practice and I can see that we call them drama queens or drama kings. They don't, they're not interested in being happy. They're interested in creating drama because they haven't finished their journey into the ego yet. So uh, the spiritual pointer towards that is you cannot transcend that which you've never fully occupied. That's a Zen Adyashanti pointer. You cannot transcend that which you've never fully occupied. 
So when our occupying of our physical earth suit, you know, we have a purpose here. We came in with, I believe, I can't prove that, but my life bears that out. Um, I have a thousand or more people that would not be alive had I not intervened in their medical case. So um, I'm glad that I lived through my trials and tribulations and I was able to occupy and find out at age 39 my spiritual seeker sort of ended. And so for the last 17 years, it's been more about giving back what I've learned about life. That's really interesting because I see my life somewhat similar that who knows how it happened, but, you know, ended up where I'm supposed to be and, you know, what I'm supposed to do. So and it is a very spiritual thing. Connect whatever the question is. I think the answer is, you know, the spirituality, the higher self, etc. So do you believe in God now? Well, you know. Belief is a four-letter word to me, so I would say I know God directly. Um, I don't like beliefs, and so um, I feel like God is the one that's talking to you right now through me. Likewise. So I don't, yeah, so I don't, I don't like beliefs. I've tried to eliminate my beliefs because when a cancer patient comes in and I believe their experimental chemo might work, well, they end up quite dead, right? I want data. I want facts. I want experience. Um, beliefs and health get people dead. Uh, just look at what just happened for the last three years. Everyone believed the shepherd called the U.S. government and all the governments were going to help them. Well, everybody found out if you're half awake with half of an IQ, you would see that the government's not here to support people's health. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong there? I mean, I'm um, happy to I be wrong. I think the evidence is there. I mean, the fact that they censored doctors who were successfully treating early COVID, that we could have saved 80% of the deaths had they not done that. Had they not done that, the EUA, emergency authorization, would have been illegal because there are alternative successful treatments. Well, then you couldn't mandate, you couldn't lock down. What's a lockdown doing? It's destroying you know, the backbone of our society and, you know, small businesses, what does that do? It makes them dependent on the government. What does that do? Government is more control. No, something doesn't even pass a sniff test here. <laughs> right, right. Well, there was a guy on Facebook that, uh, no, it was Twitter. He kind of woke up. He was like a doctor. And he was, his query to the audience was, how long before you knew this was a scam, meaning, you know, the, uh, the scamdemic? And my response was, one second. I knew in one second it was false. When my eyes saw COVID-19, this guidance came in and it said, covert ID operation began in 2019. COVID-19, covert ID operation began in 2019. That's what I was shown through my own, you know, God self. And I just was very suspicious when I couldn't go to my beach from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. What? I can't Not go in the sun and jump in the ocean. Not even if you wore a huh? mask and a hazmat suit? You could not go to the beach from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's what the purpose of the lockdown was, to get people to see, to test people, I believe, 
to see if they're going to comply with these ridiculous... I mean, what does your immune system need? I just gave that talk that you saw on vitamin D3 is bullshit, and sunlight has 27 forms of D in it. So what are they doing? They're blocking us from the true form of vitamin D and vitamin A, which is the true fat-soluble vitamin, and they're putting us in these COVID recommendations, which block copper and magnesium and the ability of the body to metabolize oxygen and iron properly, the ascorbic acid, the D3, the zinc, uh, a bunch of those recommendations for COVID are short-term, months to two to three months only. Um, so that's what, I, that's what Morley Robbins of the Root Cause Protocol has been pointing out via science, that the science of health and nutrition has been buried for 100 years or more. I have the proof. And here's one statement about vitamins said by a physician in 1932. Vitamins are hormone-like substances. In 1932, a physician said that. So how did it get to be a chemical suddenly? A hormone-like substance becomes a chemical? Nah, they're selling us, they're selling us uh, coal mining waste B vitamins, glucose and corn syrup ascorbic acid, irradiated sheep fat and other cheap ways to irradiate fat to make, quote, D3, um, and so what happened to sunlight? What happened to raw natural foods off the earth for sea? What happened to zinc with copper and natural whole food base? That's not mentioned anywhere in any government or three-letter agency recommendation, not anywhere I saw over the last three years, not even once. Well, I never got the memo. That's how I knew. I never got the memo to be scared of COVID. I just, I don't know when I'm going to get that, but it never concerned me. I, it didn't change my life at all. Uh, I just did what I was doing. But what was really strange is Fauci back in 2016 said that I take 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C. It's a good way to prepare against viruses. I mean, uh, regardless of what form he took, why isn't he mentioning that? And why isn't he mentioning his former stance that the best protection against the virus is to have natural immunity? Where did that go? <laughs> I mean, you know, and then they say, trust the science. Well, science is a debate back and forth, and it's discussed. It's not promulgated. And Steve Kirsch has offered a million dollars for anybody in any government agency to debate him on COVID, and nobody stood up. Right. I mean, right. I'm smiling I mean, right now. our immunity is our best shot against anything. And the study, I mean, a colleague of mine who was on this show, Richard Chang, was in China when this whole thing broke out. So the Dutch gave two tons of vitamin C and they were successfully treating people, published papers on it, which were censored here. Of course, a head of uh, YouTube was going to censor anything on vitamin C or curcumin. Uh, vitamin studies have shown that <laughs> vitamin D levels, if they're, you know, the people who die of low vitamin D levels, I mean... I mean, when the government's talking about trust the science, they're not talking about science. They're talking about their promulgations. Can I mention something about the um, these short-term recommendations? They work in the short run, um, but that's right. Like ascorbic acid, they're calling ascorbic acid vitamin C, and ascorbic acid is a nutraceutical. It's not vitamin C. It's part of like eight things that are part of the C complex, like copper, this enzyme called tyrosinase, bioflavonoids. Um, but, you know, there's all these other parts of the C-complex that makes it 
what I call a water-soluble sunlight, which you heard me talk about in that, how humans harvest sunlight talk. Um, and again, who's getting results? I had a teacher, uh, bless his heart, Dr. Michael Dobbins over in Berkeley. He's dead now. But Michael Dobbins had, I think, 10 or 11 kids. And so every time someone got sick when they were kids in the neighborhood, he sent the whole family over to their house to, quote, be inoculated. And then as adults, none of his children have immune problems. Zero. Yep. So what does that tell you right there? He had 11 kids, quite a sample size, and he inoculated them with every neighborhood illness he could when they were kids, and they never got sick as adults. That's what happened when I was young. I mean, in England, they used to have mumps parties and measles parties, come get exposed. And I think uh, Thomas Cowan, in one of his books, in the interview, was saying that people who had these childhood diseases have a much lower risk of certain cancers and diseases in the future. And that points back to that their immunity system was um, challenged and strengthened and stuff. Likewise, some people will say you need to go out and play with the dirt and get exposed to these germs to get your immunity system going. So uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, check this out. Um, it goes deeper than that even um, because this is what I've explored. I was an allergy kid and, you know, lifelong hay fever. And I had uh, 10 allergy shots in each arm every week from age 5 to age 15. That equates to 18,000 shots were put in me, and it didn't help my hay fever one bit. So I stopped taking them at age 15, 16. And then, but what I did know was that I wasn't breastfed, and I was given antibiotics at least five to six times a year throughout oh. my whole early life. Oh. So, and my mother was a germaphobe to some degree. My mother was really a clean person. So what did I run across in the 90s when I was studying hay fever? It was in the Reader's Digest, and it was called the Hygiene Hypothesis. And the Hygiene, the hygiene Hypothesis states that those who overly sterilize with antibacterial anything end up with more autoimmune conditions. Wow, nobody talked about that much, did they? They Those who overly sterilize end up with more autoimmune conditions because the immune system is like a boxer or a fighter. It needs target practice. So if you don't give the immune system target practice, it becomes wimpy and weak or overreactive on the other extreme. That's my experience. That's not belief. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I don't know how anyone could debate that. Well, you you can't debate someone's experience, but you can debate belief and opinion, right? So I'm just stating, like, this is what I've seen over 30 years, including my own life. I cured myself of lifelong hay fever by curing by, by treating my adrenals and changing my diet and healing my leaky gut. Um. So I only have hay fever attacks now when they spray that stuff in the sky, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that stuff that we've got brand new clouds now. We've got new definitions of clouds. (laughs) And isn't it interesting how our weather is changing? I mean, you can check a previous podcast here about geoengineering, and is that causing climate changes? Hmm. That's something to think about. It's the Hegelian thing. We all know it's the Hegelian thing. They're causing the problems, generating a reaction. They've already got the solution. It's well-known Hegelian stuff. Yep. Um, so let's see. Did I answer your? I think I answered your health question, right? 
what well, health is. Well, I just want you to share what you think is important. So how does a person know if they are in health? Oh, great. Um, so I know I'm not in health when I have symptoms and my consciousness is not in the present moment. I know I'm not in health when my lab work doesn't look like what it should. I know I'm not in health when my eyes and tongue don't look like my baseline because I check my eyes and tongue regularly. I know I'm not in health when I treat others poorly or treat myself poorly. Um, So it's the old path of neti neti in India. You know, I'm not this, I'm not that. That's kind of what. So we know what health is by knowing what it's not. But I know I'm in health when... Here's what I, I, I've given a lot of lectures over the last 30 years, and I know that I'm in health when Craig ceases to exist. When Craig ceases to exist in my internal experience, I know I'm in the flow of life. When I, as soon as I have to choose between this and that, or I notice a me and an other, that's where the suffering begins. That's called the genesis of suffering in Zen Buddhism, is that me and other phenomena, but when we're in the flow of life, There's no choice. We just know what to do by our internal apparatuses, and it comes as we need. Like an athlete that's in the moment playing tennis, for example, is not thinking about how they're going to hit the ball. Or the surfer that's riding a wave like me for 40 years, it's the best spiritual exercise of all because if I'm not present with that wave and I think that I want to do something in the future on the wave, I'm toast. So they call it satori, I believe, in the Orient. S-A-T-R-O-I, which means complete immersion in the moment, and we cease to exist as we know ourselves at that point. Wow. Does that make sense? That uh, is so interesting, because I've studied many spiritual modalities <clears throat> in many different places, and I find that very interesting, a nice summary. How does one get to be in the flow and in the moment? Um, there's this thing that the singers sing about, and it's called grace, amazing grace. And I didn't want to believe in grace. I didn't want to believe in all the woo-woo stuff 30 years ago. But what I've seen is I've developed a relationship with grace, and I call it a root-level prayer. I pray to be awake and aware and choose if I need to instead of operating from instinct and reaction and trigger, which is unconscious generally. So it's by asking, ask and you shall receive. It's literally true. When I ask for help and support from guidance systems, I get it. When I go into my contracted little symptomatic self, I don't get it. So there's this thing about just being aware enough to ask, I believe. That's interesting because I ask the higher power, how can I serve? And then the answers come to me. I don't have to do anything. It just comes to me. And it can be like a subtle breeze. You get a little hint go do this or go do that, or this is something you're supposed to do. And you just do it. You don't think about it. You just know. Likewise with uh, people figuring out what's going on with COVID. We just know. I mean, you don't have to think about it. You just know. So, yeah, asking and get tuning into a good source, uh, however we conceive that, and then getting ego and money out of the way and asking how to serve, you know, that that's a small way to do it, but for me, it doesn't mean that I'm not getting out of my own way. Getting out of our own way. Um, that reminds me of something. I, I spent about spent about 
let's say age 25 to age 39 seeking enlightenment. And um, what Ajashanti ended up kind of cracking me open with it. This I did a lot of silent retreats from um, 19, let's see, I was 39 when I had the final experience. That was 2004. Yeah, so roughly from 1990 to 2004, I was in seeker mode. And Ajashanti used to say, the peace you're seeking, the enlightenment you're seeking, the forgiveness you're seeking is, quote, always and already present. So how is it then you unenlighten yourself from what's always and already present? Wow. That really landed with me. Like, how am I responsible for taking myself out of what's always and already here in the present moment? Wow. Wow. Right? Yeah. So if the enlightenment we seek is already here in the present moment, like, I talked to Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, years ago about this. I asked her, I said, uh, how do you as Abraham see human beings? And guess what Abraham said to me on stage? We see humans in past tense. We see humans in past tense. Because they're living out of the present moment. And humans, by the time they perceive the present moment, the present moment's already moved on to the next present moment. Because we're always at a time delay by our perceptual apparatus. I hope that makes sense. That's kind of advanced stuff. Well, I mean, you mentioned woo-woo. What does woo-woo mean to you? Some of the stuff we've been discussing or what else? I guess it means the unseen energies and things that a lot of people may not be aware of. But what does woo-woo mean to you? Yeah, I call woo-woo the subtle sciences, like that feeling you have, like the feeling I have when something feels off, like I'm moving into this new place and I'm not sure it's going to work out. My heart gyroscope, I call it, and my gut gyroscope are like, it's woo-woo because I can't put a formula to it. I can't put a science to it. It's just this feeling that something isn't right. And so that's kind of what I mean by woo-woo. It's stuff that we, we couldn't put a label to it. We couldn't put a, um, a hard fact to it. You know, it's the stuff that, like, uh, how did I know to be downtown at 5.05 p.m.? when if I would have showed up 15 seconds later, the person I needed to see would have already gone by me. That's woo-woo, right? There's no way I can prove scientifically that I got this prompt to leave at 5 o'clock, arrived at 5.05. Oh, look at that person that I needed to talk to. They just happened to be there crossing me in the aisle, staff of life. Wow. You can't scientifically prove that stuff. Well, I mean, I maybe someday, but. I've had a lot of similar experiences that are almost miraculous of, you know, being wherever at the right time. And one part of what you're talking about is intuition, which I believe is real, but also it's um, being connected with the higher power and allowing yourself through that connection to where, where it's guiding you, which, you know, is hopefully for the best for everybody, which is what the higher power is. So that to me is normal. That's not woo-woo. I mean, I can think of a lot of things that are far more out than that, but woo- that's what you're talking about. That's normal. I mean, I, I mean uh, anything other than normal. Well, yeah, and then we we have this sort of subjective definition of normal too right what is oh normal? yeah yeah normal is not something i want to be so let's get that one off the table <laughs> yeah right 
Well, in third grade, I was voted the most weird kid in the elementary school. In third grade. So there you go. That's a compliment. Congratulations. I took it as such. I did take it as such. I wasn't bummed at all. Good. The, 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 the kids in the class, we all had a good laugh about it. You know, like, oh, look at Craig. He's the Because I would make these little clay models and roll clay balls down clay roller coasters. And, you know, I made these little contraptions where the clay would jump off a jump and then land on a on a trampoline. And then the trampoline would shoot something up in the air like a paper airplane. And my and teachers were astounded. They're like, you planned all that out in third grade. And I'm like, yeah. That's great. Because I'm bored with your stupid English in elementary school mathematics. It's so boring, you know. It was so boring. I had to find mischief to entertain me because school just didn't do it. So I found some good mischief. My parents got called. Mischief, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I was a mischief maker myself. And my brother was not one of those people that could sit still in a desk. So he dropped out. And took his GED as, so, as a, yeah, the end of the sophomore year in high school and went straight over to junior college because he didn't, he just didn't want to be in that, you know, you know, forced to sit in a chair from what, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day, five days a week. That's like torture for some people. Do you think we're both still mischief makers or, and shit stirrers? Um, I, yeah, I, I I like the word trickster, and I had a um, I had a teacher that said, shamanically, sometimes you have to trick people into healing. Cool. Sometimes you have to trick people into healing, and um, I don't care for manipulation myself, but if I get a God-given prompt that somebody needs to be manipulated into, you know, because they have a purpose or something, then I'm usually going to go with it. But anything involving my little me being inflated is a red flag. Yes. Like, oh, I'm the healer here, right? Oh, God, that's like a red flag. Yes. So what is alchemy? You met, your, your website mentioned you're into alchemy. So what is it? Now, I don't take the classic alchemy definition that um, there's a guy at a, an herbal school up in Oregon, and he... He has a lot of good work on this, but to me, alchemy is nothing more than the natural transmutation and transformation that occurs in life. For example, alchemy is, here's a good one. It's from a macrobiotic book. There was this guy in France that was noting that there were people dying of carbon monoxide poisoning in the big steel smelteries, you know, where they melt the metal down and all the high heat of the smelting. Well, there was no carbon monoxide measured present. This was back uh, 100 years ago, I think. And so they were dying of carbon monoxide poisoning, but there was no carbon monoxide in the air. And people were going, what the hell's going on? And then I think it was Jacques Delangre, this French dude, he said, well, what if the nitrogen in the air is being heated up so hot that it's transmuting to carbon monoxide? And everyone called him a quack. Everyone, he was outed out of the professional circles for three or four years. And then guess what? He was proven correct four years later. That's exactly what was happening. The air was so hot next to these uh, big cauldrons that the people that were close to that were getting carbon monoxide poisoning from the nitrogen transmuting in the air. What? So another one is um, 
cows and chickens have these bones that are high in calcium, and they have the chicken eggs are high in calcium, but cows and chickens don't eat calcium-rich foods, not for a second. They eat silica-rich foods, and the silica in their gut transmutes to calcium. And that's proven via scientific experiments. Like, they're not taking in any calcium, but they're excreting it. How the hell is this happening? Oh, they're taking in silica. Oh, oh we can see that. Wow. So isn't that interesting? Yes. So that's why it's called alchemy is because there's these hidden, this is woo-woo, right? There's these hidden laws of nature. And if you go to my website, you'll see I have a, a group called Natural Law. Because that's what I've decided to call one of my public-based classes is, you know, if we understand that there's natural laws of health, there's natural laws of nature, there's natural laws of soil science, there's natural laws of human soul evolution, and, you know, they, they just need to be, uh, oh, yeah, the word from Jesus was, there are many mansions in my father's house. The many mansions in my father's house are the many states of consciousness that um, we go in and out of throughout the day. And so we can make these more uh, aware, awake, and see like, oh, and that's why I know like USA Incorporated is a, that's how I know is a corporation providing government services. Um, so that's one of the biggest lies we know is that the United States is actually a government. It's not. It's a traitorous um, corporation founded in 1871 after the Civil War when the European bankers bankrupted our country. Sound familiar? Oh, no. <laughs> and Yeah, the Civil War was a contrived European propaganda scheme, as I found out, and they bankrupted the country, you know, divided into north and south, and then the bankers said, oh, okay, we'll let you borrow more money to run your country after the war, but we're going to run you now. Is that happening 1871. now? The Organic that... Act of 1871 is the specific, and it's on Wikipedia, but you know Wikipedia is a brainwash site. Yes. So it doesn't state, it says it's, you know, it basically debunks it. But if you look into it enough, um, 1871 was when our republic ended and became a corporation. The United States of America became USA, all capital letters. That's why your name on the driver's license is your name in all capitals, because you were under maritime law in the corporation, and you were considered lost at sea from the ship berth, B-E-R-T-H. That's why B-I-R-T-H is related to the navigation law, B-E-R, in the boat. So you were considered dead and lost at sea, and they took control of you via your social security number of the dead entity. The living man is who's talking now. Craig Lane, all caps, is a corporate fiction in the USA Incorporated. And people are waking up to that. More and more and more of us are. I just happen to be one of the early people that, that knew it earlier than others. So alchemy, then, is also the process of waking up to reality, like the matrix. Like when he wakes up in the matrix, right? It's like, oh, my God, it's bigger than I thought, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that have been gut punch heartbreakers for me and that's part of life is to embrace the dark and the light pearl jung said it best we're not here to transcend we're here to make the darkness conscious wow thank you carl jung for that that's great we're here to make the darkness conscious 
because it seems. And how much darkness is there around us now? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, I need a flashlight. Anyway, uh, it seems that we're being divided now. It's just that uh, people are vaccinated, people are unvaccinated, the old, the young. Oh, everybody's a racist. Uh, I mean, it's just such an effort to divide us. Is this similar to what went on in the Civil War? Yes. It's a strategy that's been used since Rome. They've been, the, the European bankers started changing things around Rome. They sacked Alexandria. You know that. Alexandria was sacked with all the sacred writings. A lot of the sacred sites on the planet have been raided, and the, you know, the Vatican's full of mysteries, of course. So the mysteries of what really has happened on this planet have been buried, and we've been fed a, a bullshit story that has nothing to do with what actually has happened on Earth. So I believe it's the same formula for a couple thousand years, Susan. I can't prove it, but I do have data that would make people think. Well, it looks pretty Remember obvious Hegel. that they're dividing us. So the solution is, you know, I don't want to be a complainer because it doesn't do any good. So the solution is what I'm doing here right now with you is let's get out there. Let's get together. Let's explore this. No one has to be right. No one has to be wrong. But we know when things are right for each of us because we feel better. But when the government doesn't allow us to, to have an opinion other than theirs, I mean, now they want to censor anybody that talks about banking. Um, I mean, when they, they started <laughs> censoring doctors, and it's such a weird place to start a, a, some kind of <sighs> fight or war or something. But then I knew it was going to spread elsewhere. Then anybody that made, I guess, the Homeland Security memo said anybody that makes the government look bad gee, that's not hard to do, is a domestic terrorist. And then uh, school teachers investigated by the FBI, and God knows what files they have on all of us. And it's just all this massive censorship. Uh, I mean, people don't get it. I mean, I talk to people, they think everything's wonderful. Oh, they're not censoring. And so how do we spread the light? Yeah. Well, you know, there's another piece here that, no one likes to talk about, and it's the anti-Semite thing, that they play that card a lot. Oh, you're an anti-Semite if you, because, you know, a lot of the bankers are Jewish. And so, but I don't believe, I believe the Jewish nation is two nations. It's the Khazarian Jews who are the devil worshipers, and then there's the true Jews, right? And the true Jews are the ones that are being manipulated also, versus the banker, you know, messed up Khazarian Jews that were kicked out of at least five, six, seven, eight countries over the last thousand years. And then the Tsar of Russia made them choose, and they chose Judaism versus their Satan that they were worshiping and sacrificing people to. They just went underground with it. The Khazarian Mafia, it's sometimes called, right? K-H-A-Z-A-R. Khazar was once uh, a region of Russia, I believe, or Eastern Europe. The Khazars. You can look it up for yourself, but... There's a lot of stuff on the web about this. So I think we need to be careful also with, because the money supply, as we've seen, has become a big game of gambling and the derivatives, the value of what the derivatives are is a, a zillion times too high. And that's the bubble that's being popped right now. People don't understand banking. Is the bank only has to keep one out of $100. It used to be $10, but I'm hearing stuff recently that the bank's Take 99 out of your $100 deposit and, and goes and gambles with it and makes money on it. And that way, when you go to get your money out, that's why there's such a problem. It's because they're not even holding your money. 
So they create money out of nothing. And that's the problem we're in right now is there's this big derivative bubble of futures derivatives and weather, weather warfare derivatives on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange that you can look up. You know, the weather's futures derivatives, they're called. It's a sick game. And they make money on the weather, too. They bet on the weather in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange with weather's futures derivatives. That started with Enron in the 90s. They control the weather. <laughs> well, if you, if you have a hedged bet, like they say sports is fixed, too, and there's all this gambling around sports. So if you know who's going to win the game, you're going to make billions of dollars gambling. If you know how the weather's going to turn out, because they have complete control over it, basically, then guess what? You're making billions of dollars on a fixed bet. It's genius, sinister, sinister, brilliant genius, right? Sinister uh, stuff. So what can we do to turn on the light? Because there are so many people that thinks every, think everything is wonderful. I mean, the bank situation is predictable. When you spend a lot of money right. and print a lot of money, you're going to get inflation, which means the Fed's going to reduce interest. It's going to increase interest rates. Everybody's stuck in low interest bonds. I mean, what happened is pretty predictable. I don't know how, how right. I could get it, and everyone else missed it. But anyway, that just seemed to be my lot. But anyway, how do we spread this light? How I mean, to me, it's like there's a lot of people in the middle that are kind of in the daze, and I think we need to approach them. And we also have to go to them where they're at. We just can't say, well, here's where it's going, and this, this is where they want it to go. We just have to, I believe, move them slightly and just make them question or something. You can't make big moves. And you've got to start where they're focused. And the people on the extreme end, I don't know, maybe something got to their brain. I can't imagine what. But anyway, how do we spread the light so we can have a better society? Oh, thank you for that. So what I'm doing, if you go to my website, is I lead three groups a week, no less. So I'm spreading the light by a public presentation every week at a local health food store, Deli, Staff of Life here in Santa Cruz, from 6 to 8 every Friday. I'm down there, potluck, giving a talk. And so we're starting a spring health reset. And so by cleaning out our internal congestion, our internal, um, what shall we say, toxins, our mind gets clearer. So one is eating right, because I can tell you that I'm 57 years old, and I have a if you don't, if I didn't eat right, so I have a broken neck, three concussions, uh, two inguinal hernias, a hiatal hernia, a torn MCL left knee, and a torn rotator cuff right shoulder, and I've never had surgery, not even once. And I'm wow. surfing almost daily if I want to at 57. So we have to be examples for others, and we have to sit in groups, and I tell people, so the community dinner is my public kind of face, and that allows anyone to come in. Then I have two groups that meet on Zoom right now. One's called Natural Law. That's on Tuesday nights. Anybody can come in and sample for free. I've made it very easy to get in. The, the, the email newsletter has got 100 people on it, and guess how many showed up last Tuesday? Two of us. So it's sitting with the laws of nature and discussing and exploring and taking our ego lump. You know, our ego doesn't like to shrink. It likes to inflate. And that's part of the process of spirituality is the ego will shrink, and it resists that. So then the other third group, so natural law is about health, 
and the laws of USA Incorporated, the little legal word games they've got. So how to play the game and not be played by it is part of natural law. So it was notice writing and discussions of authority, and you make a personal law profile, and you understand your hidden areas. So on the website, there's seven testimonials of people from the previous groups that have said, Craig helped me wake up more. And being awake is what we're talking about here. The last group is personal alchemy, and that's my clinical nutrition group that meets Wednesday mornings, and that's for people that want to go deeper. And we just did a chemistry module, Susan, kind of based on that class I gave, how do humans harvest sunlight, right? So I did a class, a series called Chemistry as Process of Life. So chemistry is a snapshot of a life process, of a chosen parameter. Just like a photograph of you running a race on a track is not you running a race. It's a representation of you at a moment in time. So chemistry is a great tool, but it's a false idol because it's, it's a tool that you can use to point to life. So what I'm trying to show people is um, my solution is come and sit with me in group. And let's have sacred space. Let's have safety. Let's have welcoming and trust. And let's have it be private, too, when we need to be. And we can all – I mean, I've taken some ego lumps, Susan, that um, – I'll give you one example. From 20, uh, it was about 10 years ago. I sat in this elder group of men. And um, it's about taking our lumps. So there I am, you know, in this men's group a, a decade ago, and we're doing our check-ins, and, you know, I'm thinking I'm pretty hot shit, you know, because I'm <laughs> in a men's group now, and all these elders are really generous with their check-ins, and I do a 10-minute check-in, and, I, and I'm thinking, wow, that was great. And then the head guy looks at me and says, that was great, Craig. Now would you like reflection on what you said? And I go, yeah, I would. He goes, he goes, well, you said five really shadowy things in your check-in. And I was like, I was mortified. I was absolutely mortified. I'm like, five? I don't even remember saying one shadowy thing, let alone five. And I look around at the other elder men, there's about seven of them, and they're all nodding their heads like, dude, you need to listen to this. And so I took my lumps and took in that reflection of my shadowy behavior I didn't even know I was doing. That's the solution, is to be unveiled the areas that we're not comfortable having unveiled. That's how we're going to move forward. And if we don't do that, we're not going to move forward. And that is on the because society. We, we, all have, we all have imbalances in our ego structure, and we need to have we see through them. So that's kind of my solution, Susan. And also on the societal level, we need to look at what we don't want to look at. But to me, uh, I think uh, we need to connect with whatever spirituality is, and that's different for everybody. To me, spirituality, sure. I mean, to me, you can be a Christian, a Hindu, whatever. I mean, it's, it's just like what frequency or radio station you feel compatible with. But all these world right. religions belief, the goal is unity, not separation. So if you get in a group that believes, oh, they're blah, that, you know, that's not spirituality. But I believe part of the right. answer is we need to raise our own vibratory level and, you know, that that could have an effect then how do we raise our own vibratory level? Yes, going to groups with support makes us feel good and feel comfortable for a moment, but how do we go beyond that? Okay, I got a couple of there. So all the tools of every tradition in health I've studied, whether it's spiritual, health, herbal medicine, yoga, all of it, they all 
are based on slowing down the ego enough so reality can break through and we're present. So to me, it's like the breath is one of the best ways to stay present. Because if we're not, if we're breathing shallow and fast, usually our mind is running the show. And so there's back to grace again, right? We can ask to be more present with our breath. We can ask, so we can use our thoughts. The two things that are both voluntary and involuntary in our own internal experience are thinking and breathing, right? Thinking goes on by itself, and breathing goes on by itself when we're not thinking about it. So my teacher, Ajashanti, used to say, you know, thinking, um, you know, is already occurring, so try and make yourself stop thinking. (laughs) Well, none of us could. None of us could. So the key to stop ourselves thinking is to be okay with our thinking. Right. That's when the thinking slows down for for many of us is, hey, I got to be okay with the thought stream, the, the monkey mind, right? The monkey mind that a lot of meditators find out that their mind is actually insane, as I did. So it's about getting some tools. So yoga, here's a good example. I do yoga every day for 35 years because I'm more present, I'm more kind, I'm more loving, uh, I feel more successful when I do my yoga every day. It's shocking before and after to see the difference in who I am before and after yoga. Shocking. Wow. So I have the tools. I consider myself the poster boy of health. Um, I'm not going to say I'm an enlightened sage because the ego doesn't get enlightened. I can tell everybody out there, if you're pursuing enlightenment, you'll just see that enlightenment's always and already present. And the ego doesn't change much. It just, we just see through it. Like, I've got so much contamination, Susan. I've had hundreds of awakenings, and my ego structure is still very intact. Yep. So, you know, hundreds of awakenings. Because awakening is only an experience, and reality is not an experience. Yes. So this, this Buddhist doctor years ago on a radio show asked me if I was enlightened. He was, he was testing me about a decade ago. And I was ready for him, and I said, he, he loved my answer. I said, look. I'm not enlightened. I just saw what's always and already here, and the enlightenment that's always and already here woke up through me. The enlightenment that's always and already here woke up through me. That's the, uh, that was my way of feeling this process. And being enlightened so, is kind of spiritual maya. I mean, it's like, what's the difference? I mean, I went to a church, and they were talking about the hereafter. Isn't attachment to that or enlightenment like spiritual maya, like attachment to having a fancy car? I don't get it. But anyway, another thing. That okay, we- yeah, there's a great, there's a stage that people go through, and the Zen people have a pointer for this. It's called, you must become enlightened from your enlightenment. <laughs> Right? You must become... So I'm in that stage. I'm in that stage. I need to... Like, there's a Hindu legend about a guy that he wanted to heal people and heal the earth by just his very presence. And he didn't even want to know. So everywhere this guy walked, the flowers healed and people healed. And he never knew. So he was enlightened from his enlightenment because he never took credit for all the healing that occurred around him. I agree so wholeheartedly. When I was working in the VA... Somebody says, oh, congratulations, you fixed that patient. And I say, I didn't fix him. I just facilitated it. Anybody with any spiritual bent had me in their office within 
five minutes. One was, uh, you know, was an act. Another mm. was a nurse that could see the bodies leaving through the crown chakra. Another was into a yoga. I mean, it, I just facilitate it, which means, you know, and that's with energy healing. You just have the intent and you get out of the way. I mean, you know, so that's important that gets the ego out of it because I hear people say, I'm not coming back. This is my last lifetime. Boy, did you miss the boat? I mean, that's an ego attachment. (laughs) It feels kind of cruddy. I mean, who cares what happens next? All we have is now. I mean, so be a good little girl or boy so you can be whatever in the next lifetime. Forget it. All we have is now. So I agree wholeheartedly. Another thing I think is interesting and something people should be aware of is don't get into the fear porn. Fear porn, you know, as you know, the Course of Miracles says we're either into love or fear. And when you're into fear, it interferes with love. So, And the, the whole goal of what I've been seeing in the last three years is getting us into fear porn. The next fear porn will be climate. My God, I didn't know a gas stove and a car and mathematics were racist. I mean, good God. Or, I mean, the climate, which they're you know, whatever. So you can't get into fear. You got to somehow or other get out of that. Guess what? Fear causes hypoxia and lowers your immunity. Fear causes low cellular oxygen. Increases cortisol. And there's very, if you want to talk about science, very scientific or alchemic explanations. Right. I want to bless you for serving. I want to bless you for serving the veterans before you get off the VA. I worked with veterans myself for three or four years because I know the veteran heart is they want to serve something good, right? They want to serve freedom. And every veteran I've talked to in the last decade has said, quote, within a year, I realized I was actually serving the devil in the U.S. military, end oh, quote. sad. We've only got three so minutes bless left. bless you for so. helping these poor brokenhearted people, you know? Bless you. Yeah, I mean, the stories, uh, the Vietnam vets, the stories they told were chilling because, I mean, they don't tell that. People outside don't know. Anyway, we've got about two and a half minutes left. So uh, please let people know how to get a hold of you, how to attend your Zoom meetings and how they could find out more so that we can all move together to make this planet a better place. Thank you. My website um, is a good place to go, healthalchemy.com, H-E-A-L. T-H-A-L-K, as in kitten, E-M-Y. So the alchemy is the K, not a C-H, dot com. And that's a good way to reach me. I have a, I have a LinkedIn uh, a link tree, and the link tree is at health alchemy, all one word, at health alchemy, lowercase. Uh, so that's my link tree, and that gives you – I mean, I have a YouTube channel. I have a Twitter account. I'm on Rumble. I'm off YouTube now with new posts because I got too many strikes. They were telling me I was, you know, using medical misinformation, which my audience loves. So I don't post on YouTube anymore, but I have a 10 years and 700 videos on YouTube. It's literally, you could make your own program on YouTube. So I have a contact button on the website. I'm very easily reached. I'm on Facebook. I'm easy to reach. Um, So... There's cleansing. There's a cleansing group or a health reset starting this weekend. There's personal alchemy every Wednesday morning. There's natural law every Tuesday night. And then there's special dinner classes that, Susan, I want to talk to you and Alyssa and the San Mateo group about doing a public like dinner class maybe once a month or every couple of months Great. where people have a chance to come in and ask questions, learn a topic, 
and get together in community and share, break bread together, basically. Love it. How's that? That sounds pretty good. So, okay, audience, I think that there's some darkness around us, and, and the w- way to approach darkness is to shine light on it. This will need a lot of light, so we need to get together, help raise each other up, be in unity, not separation, us versus them, or that person's a racist, and, and <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. We need to be together in the light, to share the light, uh, usually when there's an issue, uh, ask the higher power because that's where all the answers are. Or other people ask angels because I'm told they won't help unless you ask. But do your own personal journey, share, get together with groups like-minded and try to help wake up, you know, give information to people that are haven't figured it out yet. So I want to thank you, Craig, for all you're doing. This is very important. So I ask the audience to share it, uh, spread the light. And make the planet a better place. And above all, be well. We got the power to change the world. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.